Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, Clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With a certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, all you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And Airwave. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer 
and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece. I know, I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code Real Rescue, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up next in this episode, we've got more stories coming to us from Ireland. This time, though, it's from a pilot. So the pilot's perspective of some of his stories as they fly around all over Ireland, doing all sorts of crazy stuff out there. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Sid Lawrence. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. Today I've got another brother of ours from Ireland. What's up? And uh, his name, Mr. Grant Lawrence, but we don't call him Grant. We call him Sid, Sid Lawrence. Sid, what's up, my brother? How are you? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Oh, my God, you're mad. Yeah, no. Hi, welcome to Ireland. Uh, hope you're all keeping well. Um, you touched upon it, and I know you wanted me to explain it. So yep. my real name is yep. Grant. Mom and dad called me Grant. Um, in fact, my mom's still the only person that calls me Grant. I, I joined the Royal Navy in 1989, and, and when I got off the boat, you know, we're all smartly dressed and we're in our blazers and ties and everything and uh, got off the train, walked up and uh, you've got your name called out and you stepped forward and the chief, you know, you stepped forward and said, I'm here, chief. And he got said, get back in line. You got back in line. That was the end of that. But I stepped forward and he, I said, here, chief. And he went, oh, you're the rugby player. And I went, uh, yes, chief, really unsure of myself. And he went, get back in line, Sid. So I stepped back in line and you're thinking, he's got the wrong freaking name here. You know what? My name's not Sid. <laughs> Anyway, as it transpires, he was a big fan of something called the Sid Lawrence Blues Orchestra. My surname's Lawrence, so he called me Sid. Now, given that some of the guys around me and on courses around me got called things like Nobber and things like that, and Fudgy, I figured Sid was a pretty safe nickname, so I let it <laughs> stick. Uh, the interesting thing is, is as I went through my career, it, it, it's never left me. Uh, and when I arrived in Ireland, a, a lovely guy, a guy called Gary Watkins, who I was in the Navy with, was already in Ireland. So when I arrived, everybody already knew me as Sid. I never got a chance to be Grant. So yeah, no, it's been great. Yeah, oh, Sid Lawrence. That is Even my hilarious. mom looks at me and goes, who the hell's Sid? You know, so yeah, <laughs> Sid Lawrence. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you know what? It's not a bad, given some of the nicknames out there, I'll take Sid, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would too. No doubt. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. You know, yeah. it's right. You come in, you get those nicknames like, 
all of a sudden it's your call sign and you're like, oh, I really, uh, oh, that's what I have, yeah. really? Sid's fine. Yeah, yeah. Sid, and it's Sid. To be fair, it's easy to remember as well, and I'm simple, so that's good. Yeah. No, I see, but win-win. I that's, I like that. A yeah, win-win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Sid. Sid, you gave us a little background about your name, if you don't mind. Give us a little bit more in detail. Like, where are you from? You joined the Royal Navy, you said, yeah? And yeah, obviously. Then, yeah. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Uh, yeah. But now you're living in Ireland and doing search and rescue. How did all of that happen? Oh, man, that's a long story. Okay, here we go. So, Whew, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do I need to yeah, take, take a deep breath? Take a deep breath. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I, I was born into a forces family. So both my mom and dad were Royal Air Force. Um, we, uh, I was born in Scotland. Uh, a lovely place called Dunfermline. Um, I've never and, been there, but I, I hear yeah. it's a great place to go visit. Yeah, it's just down from Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> so I, I was born in Scotland, but dad being in the forces, we moved around an awful lot. Um, very early on in life, we were sent to what we would call a boarding school. Um, so dad obviously traveled a lot with the forces, sent to Portugal. What was interesting is the boarding school I went to, a beautiful place called St. Bees in Cumbria in the UK was a military school. Perhaps military schools, I'm afraid. It had a lot of connections to the military. It had a cadet Got force it. and all of that. And very okay. early on in my childhood, a, a Royal Navy helicopter came on a careers day to the school. And I will never forget it to the day I die. It did two things that day that I just stood there and went, must do. He put his main wheel on the top of a rugby post and did a spot turn. And then they lowered themselves between the rugby post and the crewman reached out, grabbed the rugby post and gave a thumbs up. And to oh this day, I yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking, Jesus Christ, I'm 51. But it's a long time ago. But I remember just standing there going, one must fly in helicopters, clearly. You know, it's, it's the only, <laughs> my old man was a plank pilot, a fixed wing pilot. Okay. Um, and as controversial as it is, we all know they've taught monkeys to do that. So, um, <laughs> so I, I wanted to fly helicopters from a very, very, very young age. So when I sat talking to my old man about it, who, who was a fixed wing pilot in the Air Force, he, he basically said, and, and he's going to kill me for quoting him on this, but he basically said, look, if you're determined to fly helicopters, join the Royal Navy and do it properly. So... I applied for the Royal Navy and I joined the Royal right. Navy to learn how to fly helicopters. Yeah. Um, That's pretty only, badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, you know what, if you're going to learn how to fly, you might like, I, I'm all on board. Go join the military, a military. Cause they're not just going to teach you how to fly. They're going to teach you how to fly. Yeah. But they also pay you to learn how to fly. Right. Right. Even better. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I was right now. I, I won't lie. And I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. I wasn't a model naval officer. Oh, right. duly noted. Yeah, sir. So, so <laughs> I had a very short and a very unillustrious career, which saw me becoming a civilian six years after I joined for reasons I'm not going into on an international podcast. Roger uh, that. Yeah, lo and behold, amazing behavior and good opportunity on the outside. Yeah, see, I, I think that's what it's down to. I think they recognize that perhaps my skill set lays somewhere else. Exactly. It, yeah. It's not a bad thing. All right. Let's yeah. let's flip this to a positive. Let's go, Sid. All right. Yeah. So the so opportunity on the outside yeah. just outweighed being in the military. That's all that was. It, 
I love your enthusiasm. I wish it was that pretty. It was actually just because I was a complete ass. But anyway, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, so anyway, I ended up, I played rugby um, sort of professionally. It was very early in the area, so I was being paid to play. I, I played rugby for a couple of years while I tried to get my licenses back. I had a lot of support from my parents, to be fair. And eventually, and I have to throw this name out here, and I'm going to, shamelessly, a man called Steve Jowett, who was one of the, well, he was the head of the S61 fleet for CHC, which was British International back in those days. The 61 being the uh, civilian derivative of what the Brits would call a Sea King. I I'm not sure what you call it, your end of the world. Um, uh, I, I know the Sea King. Yeah, and and he took me on as a, as a troubled individual and, and I owe him everything. And I, I have no qualms with saying that. I've come across, I think, I think in the aviation world, we'd all say we've got a few names that we, we would look back on and, and he would be the top of my pile, that man. So he brought me in, I joined CHC. So I've been with CHC since 1997. Um, so I've been around a while now with CHC. I flew with them on the oil and gas. I flew with them police helicopters, which we're going to talk about later. We are. Um, <laughs> and, and then I, 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 I got asked, I actually, you know, Steve again, Steve Jarrett rang me uh, and he said to me, do you want to do search and rescue, go back to it? And I went, well, I'd love to. And uh, he went, you need to ring another gentleman who would be on my lift, a gentleman called Steve Duffy, both of whom, by the way, we've lost, unfortunately. Steve was the manager here in Ireland that I came across. We had a... We had an interview which was typical 22 years ago, not so typical in modern society. We met in a hotel bar uh, <laughs> and we talked and he gave me the job and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. Do you so know what? Sometimes history. it's the greatest place to meet people because yeah. then you get like the real people and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. I kind of like you. You need to yeah. come work uh, well, with me. I, I have to be honest, the two Steves I owe a lot to. Steve Duffy was a, he was he was just a gentleman, as was Steve Jarrett. Yeah, very entertaining characters as well. So. <laughs> and I, I know if he's Irish, you know he's in the beer or in the in the bar well, and with a beer he, in hand. And you're like, Steve was a Brit, but he did like a glass of red wine. Steve. Oh, Steve money. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve. Steve. I'm not sure Steve Jarrett even drank actually, but such a character. The pair of and and. A couple of others we'll talk about, I'm sure, as we go through. But uh, yeah, that's how I ended up in Ireland. That's how I came that, back. That's yeah. awesome. And now, and now, you, and you've been flying for quite a few years. I mean, you said, uh, would you say '98 is when you? Got uh, out I joined. I joined the Navy in '89 as a pilot. Um, yep. I, I lost kind of two years uh, between '95 and '97 when the Navy. Um, yeah, and then I came back to flying then in '97. So yeah, I, what's that? I don't know, thirty years or something. In it. Yeah. Long enough to know better. Too bloody old to keep <laughs> counting anyway. Yeah. yeah, long enough to know better. All right, Jeez. yeah. You think I'd have learned by now? Yeah, uh, one or two things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, if you uh, if you can think back a little bit, uh, I know you've been flying for a while, but do you remember your very first search and rescue call out? I don't remember my very first, but I remember my first in Ireland. Uh, I'll go with it. I like. Yeah, that. it was actually. Do you know? It was a weird world back then. I, I came in and I was made captain very quickly. And the first job I got as a captain in Ireland was, uh, the reason I remember it is the litter, but we'll come to that. So we got a call out to somebody who had fallen off a cliff down um, just past the golf course, actually, just past Wicklow, uh, which is uh, down in the Wicklow Mountains. It's on the coastline there, beam the Wicklow Mountains on the east coast of Ireland. And uh, as we, uh, we hauled up into the hover, 
we, we, we pulled them up from the bottom of the cliff. That was no big deal. But the landing site they had set aside for us uh, was a car park. Uh, we called ahead and said, look, is everything secure? Yeah, no problem at all. So we landed on to deliver. The casualty wasn't serious enough for us to run them to hospital. So we were dropping them to the local ambulance service. And uh, we landed in the car park. Yeah, and the, the bins weren't secure. Yeah. No. And, and do you know those beautiful pictures where you see the water coming up around the rotor blades in, in that yeah. beautiful swirl? Yeah, just think that, but with tissue papers, old nappies and things like that, and, and you'll get <laughs> Um So we, <laughs> we landed on in this car park, and, and, you know, it was one of those bugger moments when you look around and go, we've made, we've made a bit of a mess here. But, yeah, that was my first job when I, yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, so it was not a difficult job, but I remember it. I remember, you, I think you always remember that first one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember mine very well, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's funny because like it's, it's one of those things where you get into something like that. You're like, oh, okay. I've That's a lesson learned. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> that beautiful phrase, we've all learned all our life. I looked about flying from that. Yeah, no, I sat there looking around going, well, this career is going to be bloody spectacularly short. Um, <laughs> thankfully, I mean, you know, it was one of those things. It was, yeah. it, it, it wasn't, yeah, it's a lesson learned. Yeah. It's yeah. a lesson learned. <laughs> it like was it. pretty if it's any help. I mean, there was a I'm, lot of it all swirling around. Yeah. So, so yeah, this like the beautiful, like trash blowing all yeah, around. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, trash is the right word. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah. i'm sure the ambulance was like oh this is fine and then no, the guys no, that's it. nobody batted an eyelid it was just me yeah. sat there going Fuck. you know this is <laughs> you know but uh, oh, yeah. that's great. i've had a, now, let me tell you i've had a lot of those moments <laughs> oh. haven't we all like well yeah. yeah those of us have been flying long enough yeah we you, we've you all see had a couple things yeah it's yeah. like oh jesus yeah. but all right, so I'll tell you what, we're there are so you and I talked a little bit, uh, and we're gonna go over a couple of your rescues that have really stood out to you throughout your career. Um, and, and I'm really excited about this because none of these are they're they're very, very different. And I say this quite a bit on this podcast is like you never know what we're gonna get, but we're called all the time. So the, the phone rings and they're like, you guys gotta go but we yeah. don't know what we're going to and everything is yeah you just never know it could be in the land oh, it could be on the cliff yeah. could be in the water it could be in the ocean it could be in a river this yeah. this is what you've got and so if yeah, yeah. Let's, you're right because the gas thing is in dublin the phone's actually red we've our cell phone's red and uh a guy awesome. did an article actually and the article is living by the red phone and it, it's exactly that it's when that phone rings you just don't know where you're going to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Dublin aircraft, all the any SAR aircraft, it, it's yeah. used for a myriad of reasons. And yeah. I, I think that's part of the reason we all love the job. I can see it in you, and I, I know it in the guys here. The phone rings, and you have no idea what's coming out of the guy's mouth next. You know, it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, what are we no, going no, to yeah. do today? My, my wife will tell you, when the weather's bad, I'm like, let's go. You know, because it, yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I, it's kind of messed up for me too. Cause like down in, in the U S and whatnot, you know, people get nervous and stuff about hurricanes coming through and I get it. But for me, I'm like, oh, it's hurricane <laughs> no, season. No, <laughs> it's no, no. wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you, you stick with that. I'm thinking when I mean bad weather, I'm thinking the sun's not shining, not, not hurricane. Oh, Jesus. Hurricane. Mary and yeah. Joseph. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. 
Like, I've seen the weather that rolls through Ireland, all right? It's yeah. it's not, it's bad. It's gnarly. You know what they say about night flying, though, don't you? Two things fly at night, bats and something else. I can't say it on a podcast. Bats and twats. <laughs> I can't say that, can I? Sorry. No, you can't. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the only two things oh, fly at night, man. Yeah, so. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's go into one of them. Um, do you want me to kind of talk? No. About do you know? Do you know? Well, let's let's start with one. And I know I told you about this one. This one for me is the single most emotional job I, I've done in in all the flying I've ever done. Um, and and actually, it'll take me a while. But if you let me go, you'll understand where we're going with it. I. Done. We were airborne out in Dublin Bay, just on a training trip. Um, and a call came in for what we would call HEMS, a Helicopter Emergency Medical Service. So it's, it's not a SAR. It's basically somebody in distress and they need us for the speed of the transport. Um, so we get this call and the call is, and uh, bless her cotton socks, um, a little three-year-old has had the mantelpiece of a fireplace for her. Ooh. Ooh. So, so we we're in Dublin Bay now. I, I can't comment for other bases uh, or, or other parts of the world, but we train on our call sign. So our call sign, for example, the aircraft we have in Dublin at the moment is Echo India India Charlie Alpha. If we are taking a tasking, we become Rescue One One Six in Dublin because Dublin International Airport's really busy. We've we've kind of adopted a third call sign completely unofficially, but you'll hear us say something like Rescue One One Six Urgent. And because Dublin's a very busy airport, it kind of gives the guys a heads up that what we're going to ask for next is to get in his way. Um, because obviously, if we can, we'll stay out the way of the international traffic. Anyway, on this particular day, we're in Dublin Bay, we get this tasking, and the radio call is made, changing our call sign. So typically, you know, Dublin Tower, um, Echo India, India, Charlie Alpha, request change of call sign, rescue 116, now proceeding to wherever it may be. And as soon as we made that call, his next statement on the radio was he sent five aircraft around and put them in the hold. And we Holy hadn't asked for smoke. anything. Yeah, yeah, we hadn't asked for anything. So we shoot across and we did have to cross his airport. We did have to cross the runway. We landed on and we got the young lady. And for me, I mean, we're the flying itself was relatively easy. The landing was slightly tricky on slopy ground in a, in a muddy field and but it was the little girl that went past my window in a stretcher who looked just like my three-year-old girl, who my little girl was three at the time, at home. And as a crew, we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, guys, we need to stay focused. This is very emotional. And we could all feel it, this little, beautiful, beautiful little three-year-old girl. And you're like, right, yeah. guys, we need to work. So anyway, so we left out of the field um, and uh, we're heading now to a place we call Beaumont Hospital. It's got a landing site, it's made a major head hospital in Ireland. So with any head injury, you're going to end up pretty much in Beaumont. Um, and we're en route, I hand control over to the Kojo and I make the call to Dublin. You know, we're airborne, we're now five souls on board. We're routing direct to Beaumont Hospital. And again, his immediate response was he moved a load of international traffic. Anyway, we, we get to Beaumont Hospital, we land on and uh, we head back to base. Beaumont to base for us is about 30 seconds. I mean, it's literally one side of the runway to the other. So okay. we, we hop across, we land on. And, and as I do, I, I phone air traffic control. Do you know what? They, you have to big up here. I have to be fair and say, for me as a Dublin pilot, I can't comment on the rest of the world. 
the Dublin air traffic controllers with us are just superb. So I like, nice. we're, we're, we live in a society that's very quick to criticize. So sometimes it's nice to compliment. And so I'll ring them up on, on a given day and say, look, I just want to say thank you very much for helping us. And I, and I rang your man that day and I said, look, I, I just wanted to thank you. Whilst I can't give you all the details, you know, it was it was important job and et cetera. And he went, can I just say in the 20 years I've been listening to your voice, because they, they get to know your voice. He said, I've <laughs> never heard you sound like that. And that was the reason he had for moving everything. He knew from the tone of our voices that whatever was going down was going down and he just moved everything and you just wow. have to, you, yeah you just have to say it's amazing you know particularly as you know in our line of work we're told to we're we're taught to try and modulate and control what we're saying so we don't excite each other you, you know what i mean we're taught to oh yeah and, and we couldn't hide from our voices that we were rushing to try and save a three-year-old girl's life now tragically and it is absolutely tragic that little girl lost her fight for life uh. um but as with any story, you know, you know, we did our best and I'm heartbroken for their family. But I, I head home at the end of that shift and it did hit me hard. I mean, like I said, it was just like my little girl, you know. Yeah. So I get home and the wife says, are you OK? Shit day, shit day. Yeah. So I walk in and my little one, she gets very limited time on a tablet. So she's on a tablet. So it's an important time for her. You know, she's on tablet time. Do not disturb. So she's playing on the tablet, and I sit down next to her, and I, uh, I say to her, sweetheart, come and give you a hug, a cuddle. And she goes, oh. I go, come on, sweetheart, daddy's had a bad day, come and give me a cuddle. So she presses pause with that theatrical moment, you know, she puts the tablet down, she scooches across the couch, she gives me a cuddle, and I kiss, kiss the top of her head, and I just say, sweetheart, I love you, and she just goes, whatever dad scooches back across and grabs a tablet <laughs> and I, I walk into the kitchen and go there we are back to reality you know and it was no. my three-year-old's reaction just sort of it just helps you set back on kilter you know what I mean oh but yeah for me that is the single most emotional job I've ever done because it was a three-year-old girl and because my little girl was at home same hair same you know in fact I'm fairly sure the little girl was wearing the same pajama bottoms that my little one has you know Dang. it blew your mind yeah yeah and the abc and again i have to say the air traffic control from the just from the tones of our voices just went yeah and, and parted the red sea you know yeah wow dang man yeah and that one's a, not even a search and rescue call out yeah it's just a just a yeah. hams and it's just what it's just what rescue services do you know yeah you know? yeah very much and, so. and you've um, got to then You've got to then think how it affected the pilots that you've now got the two guys in the back working on that young lady, working right. on her, you know. It was a hell of an impact. It's a, you know, you know yourself, though, one of the big things of the search and rescue community is we're not big on overt shows of love and affection with each other, <laughs> but it takes True. a crew to talk to a crew. Yes. So when the, when the word gets out, you've dealt with a job like that, there's the... All right, shared. How are you doing? Type thing. You know, it's that. Yeah. It's that mutual support. Um, and that was a tough day. That was a tough day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, I, if you don't mind, I, I'd like to bring up one thing about that. And and I say this because <clears throat> what's and this is difficult. I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, what? it's not even. I think it. I, I've seen it personally. That it's hard with a lot of people. And that is that when you see something like that, you now all of a sudden have an emotional attachment to that. So decision-making in the aircraft, and I, I I know you guys did exactly what you needed to do, but like you said, your your voice emanated over the radio 
yeah. what how urgent this was. So I emphasize caution to everybody is like make sure you're doing your job to get everybody home safely. And, and yeah, I know absolutely. you guys did that. So and that's where that beautiful phrase uh CRM comes into it. Oh yeah. Oh you know, as absolutely. I said, as a crew, you you focus yourself. Right. You go, look, guys, we, we know we're feeling this, but we just yeah. need to get this done. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and let's be fair. I mean, we all, everybody in the aviation world at some point in their career, when somebody said SOPs, has rolled their eyes and gone, yeah. oh! <laughs> but actually, <laughs> on a day like that, that's why we have SOPs. Oh, 100%. You can, yeah, you continue to operate as a professional helicopter crew, right. regardless of what is going on around you. And whilst it does show in your voice, and it might show... You know, it might take somebody to go, hey, duty, okay, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah, refocus. So, and that's what CRM is for. And that's why SAR crews are just quite as weird as we are, because CRM is such a <laughs> a very central and essential part of our lifestyle right. that without, like outside of work, we continue that CRM with each other. You know, you continue, for want of a better phrase, that bond with each other. And it's the CRM on days like that and the SOPs, oh, yeah. That, that get you through because you just have to work you have to focus and you have to achieve the aim yeah and and ultimately we had that young lady in hospital as fast as humanly possible there was nothing going to get her there faster than us that day but yeah. equally it was all done within our our professionalism within our sops with the aircraft performance limitations and all of those things you know I, i've always said people always say to me you know, how do you decide how urgent it is? And I'm a simple man. The boys I work with will tell you this. When the boys in the back are working, the more of the conversation I can understand, the less urgent the task. Because oh, yeah. if they go into full medical spiel and they're just talking to each other and it's all medical spiel and I can't understand it, the casualties in a bad way, so we, we will go to our maximum performance. Yeah. When they're in the back and they're going, how's the missus at the weekend? The casualty's stable, the casualty's safe. We still progress at a reasonable pace, but there's now not that same sense of urgency. So that's right. how I gauge it. When the boys in the back either go, isolating, can't talk, too busy, or all I can hear is medical jargon, we drive on because you that's need awesome. to get them. Yeah. 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 And you guys are and hard, hard well, on, you know, with max, you know, max efficiency on the aircraft, yeah, yeah. getting into, yeah. It's and, and that's where, again, seeing being based in Dublin, air traffic control play a huge part in our lives because the vast majority of locations we're trying to go are in the control zone. Oh, yeah. And that's where our relationship with air traffic control is so good because if we need to get to that hospital landing site, like, and they'll, you'll, like, so when you call them, you'll go, uh, you know, we're airborne, da 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 da, looking to go to Bob Hospital happy to go south or whatever, you're saying to them, no need to move your traffic. I, I can get where I'm going in the time scale. I need to do it. I'm okay. Yeah. Equally, if you throw in that word urgent or request immediate clearance or whatever, they go, right, he's going to interfere. Not interfere, that's the wrong word, but he wants yeah. to cross my runways. He wants yeah. to get in the way. because he needs. And, and, and that's where we have a great... And I have to... I can't big them up enough. You know, we are very lucky in Dublin. We've got some fantastic services supporting us, and one of them is them, you know. So. I, I really like that. The fact you guys have added that in there and the, you know, like the, the non, I don't want to call it non-standard. I like that. The inside, the inside language of the urgent, you know? Um, and it, there's, oh man, that's a whole nother conversation as far as, you know, terminology and, you know, what do you use? What don't you use? But there's little things like that that are like the unwritten oh. 
Yeah, well, for us, you see, like I, I can't comment again. See, I work in Dublin. I have worked at the place yeah. you call on ground. We call on a ground frequency to get a start clearance. If I call on ground and say rescue 116 urgent, ground is already telling tower that I'm going to be in a rush. And tower is already telling approach that I'm going to be in a rush. Yeah. So just that one statement very early on, say if you're, it just makes not only, it's not that it saves you trouble, it means that the next guy you're talking to is already aware yeah. that you need to go. And, yeah. and, and it just makes their life easier and it makes yeah. our life easier. Because if yeah. he can go, Jesus, they're going to be going in two minutes. Instead of rolling this traffic now, I'm just going to sit in there for a second to let this helicopter go. It makes everybody's life easier, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. I'm all about an easy button. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, fella. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, that's great. That's great. And yeah. everybody knows about it too, which which makes yeah. it so much easier. You know, unofficially. Like, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unofficially, but it's uh, if I call you if I call you on the radio and go, it's rescue 116, you know it's urgent because it's a rescue call sign. But if I right. go rescue 116 urgent, they go, oh, oh. okay, I'll come back. Yeah. yeah. So it's unofficial and uh, you know, it, but it works. It's very good. And I can't fault the boys and girls in the tower, you know. So, Love it. Love it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Love my job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, get, we have one of the greatest jobs in the world. We really do. Uh, we have the greatest yeah. job in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't. You go yes. down on a wire. I sit in front. Uh, I, <laughs> so I might have the greater job. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I already told you once before, man. My feet go up. Take me where I need to be, sir. Yeah, I can go with that. I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> right until you get on scene and you're like, yeah, I'm not going down there. Yeah. Like I said to you, I wouldn't hang my bike off the shed roof with a wire that size. Yeah. I'll volunteer. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, my brother. Well, take us to another one. Where do you okay, want to go? Um, what else should we talk about? I'll tell you what. Let's... Um, I'll leave the Bailey Lighthouse. There's one I want to talk about with the Bailey Lighthouse. I'm going to leave that until the end, and you'll understand why. But the I okay. have to say another one that um, another one that I'll remember is, uh, as you will know from your experience and your life, each base has a kind of different dynamic and a, and a different tempo. So, so one of the things about the Dublin base is, whilst we don't tend to do, we do do them, but we don't tend to do huge long range missions out into the Atlantic or whatever. Ours tend to be quite short, quite sharp, quite quick. Um, I mean, for example, we did a job that involved five wet lifts out of an overturned boat and the entire flight was 18 minutes. Wow. So, do you know what I mean? Some of ours can be quite short and sharp. So you, you, do, you do kind of get used to your own operational tempo. Early on, uh, actually about halfway through my time in Ireland, we, we took over a contract around the UK and they sent some of us across to to help set up on a transition team. So while we were there, they were training on their new big 92 and we were flying the 61s. And I launched out of Sumbra one night to a fishing boat. And boy, yeah, I remember this one. So we'd had about four days of serious storms. And on the, the day of the call out, the night of the call out, it was about three in the morning. There wasn't a breath of air. The storms had gone, but of course the seas are still running. Yeah. We're launched to this sinking fishing boat umpteen million miles off the west coast of the Sombra. It was literally just within our range and we were going to have about 15 minutes on scene. So with a sinking boat, we obviously loaded up the, the, the salvage pump, the marine pump, and the, and the hope is you can, you can get there, you can put the pump on board, 
the pump will fight the water, the pulp will keep the boat afloat until other support arrives. Failing that, you're going to evacuate the crew. So away we went, and um, oh, oh, the seas were were brutal. Um, I, I'm not going to go, oh, it was this big, because I don't know how big they were, but they were big. They were as big as I've ever seen. And this fishing boat was coming up the waves. And of course, with no engine and no power, she was at the mercy. And then she was just sliding down the other side. And of course, the strong winds of the day before, which would have given the 61, uh, the 61 was a, just a fantastic machine, but it did struggle a bit in calm winds with performance, particularly with as much fuel on board as you could put in the bloody thing. Yeah. So every time this boat slipped away from me, we had to we had to chase after that. And you're looking at it going, this is going to be a long, long night. Anyway, long story painful. We um, we got the pump on board and uh, we were trying to get our winchman back. Um, fantastic guy. And I hope he doesn't mind me using a name called Mario Testa. Just one of the greats. And um, he's on the deck going, I can't believe they're still here because I'm fairly sure they've hit bingo. And the conversation in the aircraft had been, this is the last one. If we don't get him this time, we're done. Because every time I tried to get overhead the fishing boat, I would lose visuals because of the, the, the boat would just be swinging in the sea and then she'd yeah. shoot down the side of this wave. And uh, yeah, think perfect storm stroke guardian, Sid's a hero, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, the conquering hero. Nobody will ever <laughs> accuse me of being a hero. But uh, anyway, and, and and on this last one, as uh, literally as I'm trying to get in the overhead, I can't. I just can't. I can't get there. And the boat slides away from under me, and I'm thinking, I cannot believe that for the first time in my career, I've had to leave my winchman. And we were a long way from home. He was going to be there hours. The lifeboat was on its way. It was hours away. And I think, I cannot believe. And I get this voice. Yeah, Winston's coming in the cabin door. What? And Mario had, had realized and, and like, rather than wait for the hook, he had gone to find the hook and come sort of off the boat as he's hooking up. Um, oh and yeah, I mean, God. I'm making it sound very dramatic. For me, it was dramatic. For Mario, Mario I don't think Mario broke a sweat. But for me, it was like, what? You know, um, and, and anyway, long story short, rather than wait for the hook to come to him, Mario went and found the hook and got off the boat. Um, the pump worked, which is great. Um, and the next time we saw the boat, she was under tow with a lifeboat. So, because uh, we went back, got fuel, came back out. But it was, uh, I'll never forget it because I, I, for me, it was like, I can't believe I've, I've, I've left the winchman on the deck. I cannot believe I've, I've abandoned my own crew, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, oh my God, I said my crew, the boys in Dublin are going to kill me. Anyway, not my crew, their crew, I mean somebody's crew. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, no, that was, um, that was intense. Yeah, for yeah. me, it's one of, again, it's one of, you know, it's just part of our job. But and well, like I said, yeah. Mario, Mario didn't break a sweat. That's awesome. Um, so from a pilot perspective, I, and I, I know you guys have your altimeter up front and it, it could give you an idea of what the wave state is. But out of curiosity, how about how big was the boat? Because if you're going over the top and you're losing total visual of the boat, it, it can't be very See, big. But it, yeah, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon in the big machines to lose visual of the boat. Agreed. It, it's not uncommon. So. It, it, because, I mean, particularly now, uh, the, the 92 is a slightly different machine, but the 61, we were quite a long way forward um, as pilots. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't unusual. Um, if the boat had stayed, if I'd been able to stay paralleling the boat, I wouldn't have lost visual. Uh, 
But the Got problem it. was, is the boat was pirouetting under me. So obviously as the bow disappeared out to my right or my left, didn't matter. I would yeah. lose what I was looking at, which, which again, isn't, I mean, for us, that's it's the only procedures there is the pilot will just call I've lost visual. And, and all that happens then is the winch up will increase his patter. So it's not uncommon for us not to see what we're winching over. Yeah. Um, the problem with it that night was because she was then moving so much, it, it, it made the winch ups roll very difficult because if I see the boat moving, I can play, you know, I can chase it and play with it. But if yeah. the boat's gone and I haven't realized it's gone, he's, I've got him behind, behind the drag curve. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the other thing that's very telling on that job that made a big difference is we were using the old, I don't even, I can't even remember what the hoist is called, but the hoist we had before the Goodridge we're using now had 150 foot of cable and was very okay. slow. I can't remember the figures, but it was very slow. We're now using these state of the art Goodridge things with 290 foot of cable. They haul in at 325 feet per minute. Yeah. So when you and it was a huge notice for us when we went from that on the six to one to the new Goodrich, the speed of the hoist, as you know, living your life on the line, plays a huge role. So oh, when yeah. he can't when he can't winch out quickly enough because the boat's disappearing into the sunset down the wave, that's the problem. Whereas with the new hoists, it is still a problem, but it's much less of a problem because the hoist can keep up. Yeah. Um, so I think that probably played a role. I mean, I I just laughed because I was all, and Mario was like, <laughs> like literally in the back like that. Yeah. You know, not to bother <laughs> on you. I love it. You know, yeah. well, I, and, and the other thing, and I, I think yep. the other thing, sorry, on the Sumba drop, again, from a Dublin pilot point of view, we're used to a lot of ambient light. Now, it does get dark. I'm not saying it doesn't get dark in Dublin, but we tend to have a coastline somewhere relatively close to us. You go out into the, the west coast of the Sumba yeah. Island, Shetland Island, sorry, and there's nothing. I mean, yeah, the next it, coast is America. Yeah, it's as black <laughs> as anything. And you're just there going, oh, crap, this is dark, you know. Yeah, pre-goggles, yeah. obviously, you know, pre-goggles. Yeah. You're just looking out going, oh, crap. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, there's another thing, like, one more mention to that is, and this is another thing that people might not understand, is that the rotowash has such an effect on smaller vessels when you're talking about kicking the, the bow to your left yeah, or to yeah. your right. As soon as you get over the top, once that vessel gets moved by the rotowash, the rotowash is literally going to push that boat one way or another. So it'll push you either into a visual reference or out of the visual reference and or oh, move. Yeah. So now you're chasing it in a circle. And I've yeah. watched guys literally do a full pedal turn, a 360 degree pedal turn over the top of a vessel. I'm like, oh, thank God there's no wind, but I've watched yeah, you do I, it. I'd, so I'd rather never do that if that's okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the 61 had big downwash, but nothing like the 92. We, we've yeah. had oh. to, there's, there's some, you know, the modern blades, the extra power, you know, you know yeah. yourself, all the aerodynamic farkles that play a role. The, 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 we've had to learn, a, look, we just manage our downwash a lot more efficiently now than we did with the 61, because the 61 didn't really play with you too much. It would, but not. The 92 will blow you into the middle of next week. So <laughs> totally we, will. We, we, yeah, we, we tend to we tend to be very careful with the 92 downwash. Not not least because you know you've got your own guy on the wire down there playing in the downwash, you know, and, and having and you a good time. Affect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't want to affect him, you know. So yeah. Cool. Very cool. So I know what you want to talk about next, and that's what I described as the fatal decision that nearly crew, killed a crew of four. 
Let's go. Um, let's, let's very early on. Yeah. Yeah. Sit back, grab the popcorn, boys and girls. Um, Sid screwed up. Um, very early on in my career. I wasn't going to start it like that. Just for the record. All right. You started oh, I screwed it like up. that. I screwed up. I appreciate you like starting it out like that, though. That's good. Screwed up. Got to huh? own it. Uh, yeah. First, yeah, yeah. Like leadership. Own it. Well, do you know what? At the end of the story, there's a good ending. So um, in 2003, we had five machines, six machines in Ireland at the time. Four of them were what we called all-weather SAR. And two of them what we call LIMSAR. So they didn't have the auto-hover systems. So if you wanted to go down into the hover, you flew it manually. Uh, whereas our other machines had the mark on top, the you know the overflight, the trans up, the trans down. The, the machine we had that night out of Dublin um, didn't have it. It was the Limsar machine. I hadn't flown it for ages, and and that's no that's no excuse. What it should have been is a warning signal to me. Um, I hadn't flown it for ages, and you kind of get used to having your auto hoppers and everything. So anyway, we're tasked in the middle of the night on a on a dirty dirty night to a woman missing in a small rowboat off the Isle of Man in pants. <laughs> so we get airborne and I, I'm going to mention his name because you know him personally and he won't mind. Derek Everett's the winch man on the, on the camera. Derek the Everett's been on this podcast just to throw yeah, that yeah. one out there. He'll he was like... he, probably, he probably only came up to about where my hand is on the screen <laughs> and there's no hair at all. Yeah, that's Derek. I love Derek. Um, love but um, Derek, Derek was on the camera that night. And uh, he, he located her and he said, I've got a boys. And we set up ourselves into a, the well-known SAR circuit. So for me, there was, ah, you know what? There were some stupid decisions. The first one was to go down there in the first place. We should have found a, we had an RAF machine out of um, Valley operating as well. And, you know, we were segregated. They were goggled. They had full NVG goggles. They had, a, they had the auto hover capability. We should have just called them in. I, I didn't. Uh, we went to do it. Uh, what we should have done when we found her was gone, guys, over here, you know, which is what we did at the end, lesson learned. But uh, we should have done it at the start. So we set ourselves up in the SAR circuit. And for me, oh, I don't know if this is controversial or not, what, what I took from it, but we set the, we set the rad out bugs down too early. So I, I don't know how other operations work. We sit our adult bugs about 20 foot below us most of the time when we're all operating in the search and rescue environment and we step it down as we need it. Uh, I jumped it straight down to deployment height, which is 20 feet. So we would normally deploy our winch crew between 40 and 50 feet. So we're in a 200 foot star circuit and I've already put the bug to 20 feet. Wow. Sheer, stu sheer stupidity. Yeah, yeah just, I, just I might yeah. have to agree with you with that one too. Yeah. Yeah, As a guy in the back, I listened to what you guys set the altitude yeah. bug at. Uh, you know what? For everybody that's out there that doesn't know what an altitude bug, and actually, I, I don't even want to explain it. If you don't mind, would you just kind of give yeah, no problem. So we've non-pilots? We've, we've got numerous, but the easy way to explain it is you set a bug below your height, and then if you inadvertently do, uh, descend, your helicopter mentions to you. Uh, in the 61, it was a lovely lady's voice. She'd go check altitude. And in the 92, it's a male voice. We'll go altitude, altitude. And, and that's a prompt to you as a pilot to go, oops, I, I've, I'm not paying, you know, I've allowed us to descend. Sometimes it might be something coming up underneath you and it's a, and it's a, it's a warning, but other times it's, you know, you're flying along and you've just, you bearing in mind, it's only 20 foot below us. You, you've only, you've drifted 20 foot and it, it catches it and it says, hello, you're descending. Yep. Thank so you. the idea is, is you leave that bug where it is because it protects you. 
um, num, num nuts here set it down too low. Um, so as you we're in it, this, wait, hold on. You set it at 20 feet. <laughs> yeah. We set it for deployment. So we, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it go, we would nip, typically have it. So in the 200 foot circuit, we typically have it at 180. And then in the final phases of the star circuit, you would move it down to 20 because we're going to descend to 50 to 40 feet, depending on where the crew were happy, the power performance, et cetera, et cetera. Now times have moved on and we do it differently now. Um, not because of me, because somebody far cleverer than me looked at it differently. But um, so we were in this SAR circuit, and as you do in shit weather, where uh, we're in a right-hand bank, and uh, Kojo was flying, I was pilot monitoring, um, and we just, obviously, the two of us didn't see it, and we started a gentle, gradual descending to And to be fair on Derek, Derek said from the back of the aircraft, guys, the sea's getting awfully big in my camera. And it was enough to get the two of us to look in. The power came on, quite a lot of power came on, and we climbed back up. And we actually climbed straight to 500 feet. We set ourselves up in a circuit. We obviously were like, this is stupid. We've, we, not we, that's not fair. I had got it wrong. Um, and uh, we then talked the RAF in, they recovered the casualty. We went to the, <laughs> you're going to love this. Oh, Jesus, P1s of the world over. Sorry. We went to the Isle of Man for a cup of coffee. We landed in Ronald's Way Airport. And I went, oh, shit, I'm going to be wallet. <laughs> so the boys had to buy me coffee. Um, so, so to be fair now, and, and I have to say a, a big up to CHC on this one, because when I came back, I wrote what we call an occurrence report. And I, and I don't know how that stands the world over, but I've had an incident um, and I now report myself, perhaps the wrong phrase, I highlight it to the company, but also the aviation authority. Yeah. Um, and to be fair on the company, they sat me down. We had a, a lovely interview. The crew were interviewed. And the end result of that was they went to the customer and we upgraded the fifth machine to an all-weather star machine. So that wow. nice. to reduce, yeah, to reduce. So it was very well handled from, from an outside point of view. And, and my learning, I learned about flying from that, is, is if you're with me now and you say, I'm going to set the bugs down, I'll go just hold on to those. Because I would much <laughs> rather now forget the bug by accident. I don't mean I, I deliberately forget it, but I would rather be in a position where I've forgotten the bug and it goes, hello, altitude, altitude. You go, oh, forgot to move the bug. Then I haven't got it where I needed to be. So, yeah, and that was my lesson. Super smart. Life. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's that's my real learned about flying from that. There's no two ways about it. Hand on my heart. Derek and I are good friends, by the way, so he forgave me. Um, you know, um, but it was, yeah, it was very much a case of I got that very badly wrong that night. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I, so. you know, I appreciate you sharing that because uh, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, that do this job. And and I, I have been in a right-hand turn or left-hand turn and slowly descending and like, oh, we're descending, let's pull up and, and you come back up. And like I said, I always listen for the heading bug or the, the altitude bug as far as where it is yeah, so, yeah I, I i've got to be honest i think smart. i think the big thing is as you go through your careers i mean in 2003 when when that crew were airborne we were all young bucks and that's not an excuse yeah but no. we we're all young bucks we were all you know keen as must if you put those same four people there now i'll promise you that book doesn't get moved because yeah you, <laughs> you you learn and you accrue your experience and you learn from each other's lessons i'm not going to say mistakes because their lessons and you learn from each other's lessons through life and you go somewhere in the dark recesses of the back of your head amongst all the other erroneous crap you've got a brain goes 
hold on a minute, I've heard about this. And, you know, yeah. and you've learned. And, 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 yeah. And you, so, yeah. I, I have to say, if there's one thing, I've always known it, but it's funny how the technical crew keep reminding you as actually they're really worth listening to. You know, it, it's very easy for that, oh, I'm a pilot, you're not, you know, and it's all fun. It's certainly fun when I'm yeah. doing it. You oh, know? Yeah, of course. But, but I, like there's a couple of guys I fly with and, I, and I've, un, I've not underestimated them. I think perhaps maybe is the word I've dismissed them, thinking I knew better to be very quickly meant to realize I'm an ass and actually they know better. So it's the beautiful thing of, it's the beautiful thing of CRM and we're back yeah. to that. That's why SAR crews are so good. You know, they, they go, Oh, you're in charge. Well, no, 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 no. I, I might sign for the aircraft and I might be legally responsible, but there's times in that flight where every different part of that crew is in command in one yeah. respect or another. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I've always said, rightly or wrongly, I've always said a successful SAR captain isn't necessarily the best pilot in the world. But what he is capable of doing is getting four guys to go in the same direction together. And to yeah. use those. Like, I, I'm, I'm only as successful as I am because of the people around me. And, oh, no, let's hug a tree. No, I mean it with my hand on my heart. You know, the likes of Mario Test, Derek Everett, Ken Scaly, Alan Gallagher, Kieran Murphy, all of these names I could throw out there. Without them, I'm, I'm crap. And it's that simple. You know, yeah, I can fly a helicopter, but I can't do this job without these guys. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm all emotional. Yeah. <laughs> for those listening to the podcast, I've never said a nice word about a crewman, and I'm never going to, just for the record. Okay, for the record. <laughs> That's on record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want you to start changing your uh, persona for us now, okay? Let's, let's, get, yeah. let's put that out there. <laughs> yeah. so. Oh, that, that is, I, I'm glad you shared that. Um, you know, I, I've shared my own, like I've made mistakes. We, we make mistakes and, and I'm not afraid to say that. It's how you learn from it and willing to, like I'll let everybody else know, hey, don't do this. This, this is yeah. a tip and trick that I learned because I made a mistake and this is how you don't do this again. So I appreciate I, it. I, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in aviation is if you make a mistake in our world and you stand there and go, guys, I, I've made a mistake and this is what I did. Everybody goes, fair play to you. Right, let's have a look at it. Happy days. When you make that mistake and you go, button it up, right? And somebody finds out about it, then you're an asshole. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Then oh, yeah. your, your, your peers and the people around you lose respect for you. Making a mistake and owning it has only ever achieved the right aim, in my opinion. And I, I, believe, I believe if we're using a commercial speak, we call that a just culture, don't we? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. yeah. But, and, and I've got to be honest, that's the world I've lived in. And I've lived in it right the way through my career. I've been fortunate yeah. enough that if you are... If you're in a position where you make a mistake, you you own up to it and you yeah. you acknowledge it, and as long as you're willing to learn from it, the people around from you are happy to let you learn from right. it. You know, right? And don't get me wrong, I don't want people going out and making the same mistake four, five, six times. Now, now we have an issue. You know, now you, we're not you, making mistakes. Now we're an ass. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, man, you you got to learn from your stuff. But yeah. you know, at the same time, it's you know, if you're not making, I don't want people to make a mistake, but you have to learn. Yeah. And sometimes making a mistake is how you're going to learn it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've learned a lot of lessons over the years, and that's just part of life, you know? Yep. Yeah. True statement. Yeah, 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 yeah. You learn it every day. Jeez, my yep. wife tells me I'm wrong all the time. I'm learning all the time. <laughs> you too? 
Man, yeah, it's popular, we, isn't it? Yeah. Do, do our wives talk? Or yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm always yeah. yeah. Go figure. <laughs> if I just listen to my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, honey, I love you. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, me too. No, not <laughs> yours. Mine. Yeah, no, not yours. Not yours. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking mine. Yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so what, what is it? Go ahead, go ahead, go. Well, no, no, you're, this is your podcast. I'm just the asshole taking over. No way, take it over. Yeah. This is your um, show. And what are you talking I, about? I know we then talked about one last job. Um, yep. and, and the reason I chose this job is we, we live in a world where we're not big on patting each other on the back. We tend to play down everything we do. We tend to think very little of it. Um, I don't mean that very little of it. I mean, we tend not to go, hey, look at me, look what we did, look what we did. Uh, I do when I change the toilet roll, by the way, in the house. But <laughs> I, I, uh, come on, you, we all absolutely. know we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, Why? honey, look at it. it's changed. Change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in work, we tend to play it down. So we, you know what? Let, let me throw one more thing yeah. in there because I'm going to agree with you and say, and this is with everybody that's come on here. It's everybody's very humble with what we do. Nobody's trying, nobody's beating their chest and be like, look at me, I'm the man today. No, no, no. We love what we do and we do it because we love what we do. Yeah. We're not. I think you, well, for technical career, I think you do it because you're mad. But anyway, that's my personal opinion. <laughs> there might be a screw loose or two, but yeah. I'm not going to uh, admit and, that. <laughs> and that last job is, is where we're going with this because All the right. last job I, I chose to talk about was I don't think I've ever seen a display of bravery like it. Um, I don't think I've seen, I just, I don't think I ever will to the point where it's not often I've come back from a job and I've put two people in for a commendation. And on this particular job, I came back and I put both the crew, uh, the technical crew guys in for a commendation. In a nutshell, you'll know the phrase, but I'll explain it in case of any of you viewers do it. We were trying to rescue somebody from the very foot of cliffs near a place called Bailey Lighthouse in Ireland. They're quite big cliffs. Because of the wind direction, because of the turbulence and everything else, we couldn't get in low level close. So you, you find yourself in this position where you can either put your winchman at risk or you can put the whole crew at risk, or you can not do the job. Um, and, and by that, I mean, I couldn't go low level because of the turbulence. So bless his cotton socks. The, the winchman was Kieran Smith, who, who we'll talk about as we go along because we lost him in Rescue 116. But Kieran was in the back and we backed away about a quarter of a mile from the incident to get out the turbulence. We, we had a crew chat and it was like, guys, the only way we can get you in there, Smitty, is you skywalk. Now, you'll probably know that phrase, but for those who don't, we like to lower the aircraft down to 40 or 50 feet. The winchman goes out on the wire, and as he gets to a safe height over the terrain, the water, whatever it is, we will then climb the aircraft back up. So whilst he ends up on a long wire, he comes out at a low height. Or a skywalk would be when we can't offer you that, that, that choice. So Smitty yeah. went out the aircraft at 250 feet. So at 250 feet in the air, Smitty skywalks down on this one. I mean, you're just, he's lowered from the aircraft. Uh, you probably can't say it, but very, very large brass area of his anatomy. Um, and we ran in quarter of a mile with Smitty under this 61. And we had to kind of navigate a little ravine. 
Um, and he, he gets to the casualty. They, they, they package him. Uh, they put him in a stretcher. And the helicopter all this time, bearing in mind, is perfectly safe because we're up at 250 feet. We're looking out over the cliffs now that are directly in front of us. So we would have been winching face into the cliff. We're now over them, looking over free air. So we've yeah. got a great flyaway if anything happens. Of course, our flyaway means if anything happens, Smitty's on 250 foot of cable and there's a cliff in his face. Yeah. Hence the big brass. So anyway, long, long. Hey, just story for the record, short. we trust you up front. I'm just, oh, just I, throwing yeah. that out there. I mean, you know, yeah. like. I, to this day, I, I I talk about, you know, I talk about Smitty very fondly anyway, but that day, I because I, I looked at him when I turned around in the aircraft to make eye contact with him and go, are you sure? And he went, yeah, yeah, happy. And you're just Because <laughs> I wouldn't have gone. I should her off. <laughs> so, I mean, long story short, casualty comes up in the stretcher, loads in, we take him to hospital and, and everybody goes home happy. I sat, I got back to base that day and, and the boys were like, yeah, no, easy peasy. And I'm there, boy, nah. So I, I put them in for accommodation. Now they didn't get anything, but I put them in for, you know, um, uh, just, yeah, yeah. For me, it was the, I mean, the length of time Smitty spent on that wire to help that person was just like, you know, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, do you know the that, wire that do you know the wire that hangs my plug in the bath is wider you know what i mean it, it, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> it's it's not the same strand count okay oh. <laughs> so, uh, have you ever so been was, on the hoist duck oh uh, yeah 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 no so so certainly okay. part of navy training was you got winched in and out uh the boys have put me on numerous decks here yeah. i did uh actually i did one scary set of night decks in sligo uh the boys put me onto a lifeboat and that was like <laughs> yeah, let's not do that again um but yeah um yeah no yes okay. so i have been on the way yeah yeah, yeah. I, you know, one of the one of the phrases we have here is uh if if the boys are flying with a with a, a new enough pilot that he, he wouldn't be classed as qualified for search and rescue you carry what we call a p3 so a qualified pilot will be in the back of the aircraft in case a case of call comes in you would land on swap crews um and i've spent numerous flights p3 i love sitting up the, i put the Put the old harness on him and lean out the door. You know, pretend I'm cool. Pretend I'm cool all the time. Going, I'm not going out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I love uh, it. No, bugger that. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, what you had mentioned something uh, just actually before we started like recording this was uh, on that specific cliff job. You guys were. Uh, what you said you were close where you were looking at flowers. Is that is that the uh, same one? Yeah, that's actually a slightly different job. Sorry, I got confused. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the Bailey right. Lighthouse job with Smitty. I, I did a I did a cliff job actually where, where you'll know him. You met him recently, Dermot Malloy. Oh yeah. Um, I, I did it. I did it, and and Alan Gallagher was the the wind chop, and and a, a lovely fellow called Marco Callahan was the coach. And we got tasked now. And again, Dermot just makes me laugh. You have gotta love Dermot. He he was like, yeah. It was just like, yeah. Uh, I put them both in for accommodation. These are the other two I put in for accommodation. So we hauled up this poor lady had slipped off a cliff path. Um, it, it's, I can't think of the name of the walk now. It's just gone because I'm on uh, I'm on a podcast. But it's That's the walk around Hoth Head and it's this cliff walk. And you do get really close to the edge. And uh, she just unfortunately slipped and she fell. Um, I think the description subsequently was six life-threatening injuries. 
which I take to be fairly bad as a pilot. I'm not qualified that... to comment, but sounds <laughs> owie, you know. Um, yeah, so the, yeah. poor, the poor lady had, had taken a, a tumble down this cliff. And again, you, you know, so you're back into having to explain a few things. So the, the choices you have with your performance in the helicopter, as you well know, but other people may not, is if I'm below a certain height and I lose an engine, I may not be able to hover. Um, if I'm, you know, if your performance is such, you'll reach a point where the helicopter can't hover on one engine. Um, so you can then, your choices are you sit above a certain height, which guarantees you a flyaway. So you lose that engine, you can't hover and you fly away, you get your airspeed and life is good. Or you sit below that height and accept if you lose the engine, you're going to ultimately end up on whatever's below you, be it the land or the sea. So we would call that phrase committed. So you make a choice to be committed. Now, obviously, you don't do that for the fun of it. You do that because there's a, a certain requirement to do it and you risk assess and all, all the good buzzwords. But the point remains is on this particular day, I had two choices. We could sit above flyaway height, as we would call it, so we could launch the aircraft into the wild blue yonder, get airspeed and survive in the event of an engine failure, or we could go committed. So initially, we ran into the cliff and we ran into the cliff uh, above flyaway height. And you're sat there going, well, I can do this, but to be flyaway, to, to quote uh, a certain American gentleman, I would have had to tip the hat. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I looked oh, at the flyaway. Oh, yeah, what a great reference. Great yeah, reference. but I, I, I mean, I looked at the flyaway, and the, the only way I'm going to fly this helicopter away <laughs> is if I literally go and go through that gap. So you brief it as you're queuing, you go, guys, this is madness. We're going to come down to committed height. And we're going to use that beautiful calm. It was almost, it was a natural feature, but it was almost like an indoor swimming pool. And it was oh, like, wow, this nice. yeah, beautiful calm area of sea. Guys, in the event, if you are happy, we need to get this lady, sick, life threatening injuries, in a jocker. We need to get her. So we're going to commit the helicopter, but that's my chosen land site. And everybody to a man went, yeah, yeah, prefer that to the whole, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to put it in auto hover, rescue my wife myself, and tip the hat. Um, sorry, Dwayne. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I love it. <laughs> so anyway, so so we went back in, as I said to you pre this, I know in your head it's closer than it actually is. So I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but it literally felt like on three sides of the helicopter around us, I could have just reached out and picked a dandelion and passed it to Mark because the cliff <laughs> was just completely around us. Uh, Alan and I were talking later, so I, I, I said somebody, you know, I was I was buzzing. I thought it was a great job. I mean, and Dermot worked his, yeah. Um, there was lifeboats in attendance and there was fire brigade to help him and people, you know, a, a cliff rescue team had, had arrived. And stretch had gone, hospital. And uh, you're just thinking that, boys, that was an epic job. And I was like, wow, you know, what were we, 10, 15 feet from the cliff? And Alan just kind of looked at me and went, four or five i was like no no never tell me that again <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't want to know oh yeah. my yeah. gosh um so so for me yeah, again yeah, rocks don't uh the the rocks don't really move trees you might be able to take a top off yeah i tend to find anything's pretty unforgiving when you hit them or a road of yeah. so let's not do that yeah <laughs> Um, no, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, and again, I put Dermot and Alan into a job because um, I hope Alan doesn't mind me saying when Alan is just one of the 
coolest, calmest characters you'll come across. And to have him, it's only fair to say to have most, of the, if not all of the guys stood behind you, like that little voice in your ear, it is so comforting. Uh, and you know that they've got such control over what's happening around them. Like, let's be honest. I mean, the 92 is a big girl. I, I've got a vague idea where her ass is, but I can't see it. Whereas Alan yeah. can, you know, have that trust in each other. So that was a hell of a job. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's the one where I, I really literally felt I could just go, yeah, Mark, I picked your flowers. You know, because they <laughs> really felt like they were just there. Yeah. yeah. Dang. That's close. Yeah, and that's Dermot. Now you met Dermot recently. I don't think yeah. Dermot's pulse has ever been other than flat. You know, I mean, Dermot just <laughs> he doesn't get excited. You know, so when we landed, I said, "Jesus, Dermot, shake your hand." That was brilliant. He's looking at me going, "I don't know anything." <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, that's, yeah. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is hilarious. Yeah, so Man, there we so are. These these, these stories are awesome. They, thank you so much for for taking time ah, to share yeah. with me. Um, so you uh you actually have two more because I'm I'm gonna skip forward a little bit and you have two incidents that I, I actually want to talk about. You want to talk bit. about crashes, don't you? I, I do. You want to uh, talk about crashes? I don't do. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had two incidents uh where you know what I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna let you, you go tag you're the, in. the first the first incident to be fair i was really just a passenger on i i was uh flying as co-pilot in a navy seeking a lot a lot of years ago i think it was geez i think it was 1993 it might have been 95 can't remember. um and uh, we were coming into land at Prestwick airport in scotland and we lost the tail at a drive shaft we were uh, i'd say we we're about maybe 60 80 feet you know in the flare coming into land yeah. Uh, the P1, the P1 I was with that day, uh, recognized it instantly. And, and as P1s are prone to do, and I can't blame them when we're, they're flying with the new boy, when I have control, uh, we spiraled gracefully into the ground um, and uh, broke a seeking. <laughs> wow! And, and in, yeah. So subsequently, the the air accident investigation unit uh, and the military obviously investigation uh, discovered that the drive shaft had literally just sheared in half. Holy so the tail shit. rotor had physically stopped. Uh, so when it went, the the, the shaft went whoop, boink, and just it stopped the tail rotor dead. So yeah, we span as you you would expect to do, and obviously given the height, to be fair, on the on the P one, there wasn't an, he did a great job of what he had, if that makes sense. I was sat there as a fresh faced little puppy going. <laughs> you know, um, so and and actually and I hope again the guy the guy one of the guys in the back I, I hope he doesn't mind me we bring his name up but a, a just an amazing guy called Steve Roberts he was a Canadian exchange guy just geez him and his wife just the loveliest people but he had had quite a serious incident in a Canadian seeking which was at an air display and we'll not go into here because I think we probably all know about it but uh, we called him Captain Crash because his rank in the Canadian forces was captain. So we we called him Captain Crash. Oh, Crash. that's terrible and hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got promoted, <laughs> so he became Major Crash. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, he 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 got out. And for me, it was a big deal. I mean, I was a young buck. I mean, I was only a kid. And uh, I got out with it sort of like, Jesus Christ, that's someday. And uh, one of the guys said to Steve, are you okay? And he just looked and went, that's not a crash. That's a dink. <laughs> oh okay all right Mama. which i went yeah okay yeah 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 so that was the first one now the the interesting thing about that for me became apparent when i had the second one and i'll okay. explain at the end of the second 
Sure. So the, the, the second accident I, have, I had, uh, I was flying a police twin squirrel. So the F2 okay. um, in Cardiff in Wales. And we had a tail rotor control failure. So the rotating spider, for want of a better for it, just came apart. So whilst the tail rotor was still turning, I had no physical control over it. So um, it, it, does that one, because uh, I've seen other ones where they go into, the tail rotor goes into a neutral position. So if you're flying straight and level, it would hold that. Is that yes. is that an yeah. accurate? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you like, just don't pitch. have tail rotor yeah. authority, and you yeah. have to it, you have to do. It like... goes to a preset pitch. I can't remember. Oh my god, yeah. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. That's okay. And what I flew twenty yeah. years ago. No it, worries. It no worries. To, yeah, it goes to a preset pitch setting. Yeah, so it's still turning, um, but you have no authority over it. So the the thing about that night, and oh, do you know what? Hand on my heart, hell of a night, hell of a night. <laughs> we were at uh, about 400 foot AGL in the hover at dusk. Um, and the boys, the, the police officers, actually one female police officer, a male police officer with me, uh, were talking in units to a stolen M3 BMW. So I, I don't know, for, uh, for the American audience, really fast car, really fancy, really expensive. Everybody freaking wants one. <laughs> Right. Hey. Not, a, not a gas guzzling 18 litre thing with 100 horsepower we're talking a proper european two litre car with about 500 horsepower just saying america um whatever <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> all right yeah you just i can't help it i'm sorry yeah, I, I, i'm okay I, with that i i, whatever. I, I can't help it. I, if there's any help i've i've hired a um gmc yukon xl for my next trip to the states Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the I love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I had to have a dig. What can I say? Um, but we, uh, so we're just in the hover. The guys are talking them in, and uh, the squirrel was. I, I don't want to get sued by France here, but it didn't have the greatest tail rotor authority. So I also flew at the time Bolko 105s, and you could hover a Bolko 105 downwind in 50 knots. It wouldn't have kept. Whereas the squirrel in a strong wind would weather cock into the wind. She okay. just it just slowly set herself up where she wanted to be, and this this night she just started to ease, and the initial mo movement was so gentle that I went, oh, she's just you know it was normal. She's going into yeah. wind, and I started to just gently ease on the right pedal to hold her in line, and then she went, and you're like, okay, this is this this is an ideal at all. Um, I I had a very very quick look at flying her out. Um, and I threw the nose forward to see if I get airspeed and be it lack of bravery, lack of skill or whatever it may have been. I realized very quickly that that was not happening. So we leveled the aircraft. Um, and the way I described it uh, to the crash investigators that day is my eyes got really confused looking out the front window because the front doesn't move. It comes towards you and goes past the side like this. Yeah. And my eyes couldn't cope because the world was just going past me like this. It just was weird. It was just all. So I looked outside window. So it, enough, it, it was going. It was going to the side of you because you were doing a circle. Or we yeah, were you were spinning around. Yeah, we were spinning. So the wind, yeah. the the picture yeah. out the front window was going past me this way, sideways. It's, or yeah, it's, it's yeah, not going. To, the front right. window is not meant to do that. It's meant to come towards right. you. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, I was more comfortable looking here. To your right. I don't know if that's if, if it's just me being an, a fool or not, but because I'm used to this, yeah. When I looked, when I put my head out the right window, I could orientate myself. It made sense to me. Yeah. 
So I flew looking out the right-hand window. The aim at that point was to try and maintain the aircraft in some semblance of control, to be honest with you. Um, you know, there's, if you're low down, you can chop the throttles. If you're high up with airspeed, you can chop the throttles. If you're, if you're in all sorts of different configurations, there's things to do. Uh, I just, I knew I just had to ride it out. So we, we come out the sky um, and very luckily, as it turns out, although at the time I didn't feel it was luck, but very luckily, as it turns out, the first thing I see is the pitched line of a roof coming towards me. Okay. So as I see this roof coming, a house roof. So as I see this roof coming towards me, boy, I pull power. I'm amazed they didn't find a bend in the collective. Um, I, I pulled power desperately to try and cushion the landing as much as I could. Uh, and we, we go into this roof in a spectacular spray of bits. Um, now, so jump to the end. Subsequently, the, the, the Eric's investigation said the roof was brilliant. It's like landing on a cardboard box because it's concertina. Oh, wow. So, so they actually, dis uh, the, the crash report um, describes it as a benign impact because the roof went and collapsed. collapsed. Yeah. Wow. So, so during the, the, if you see the photographs, and I, I, I sent you the link there, the tail has wraps around the front of the heli uh, front of the house, so the, yeah. the tail wraps around from the from the sudden stop. Um, the the interesting thing for me sitting in the the front right hand seat is number two engines shut down immediately. So for those who don't know, number one would typically be on the left, number two would be on the right. P one in the helicopter sits on the right, so I'm sat like this in the roof. Number two engine I hear shut down immediately. Easy to see why later it's full of bits of attic, four by two sticking through it. So that was- Oh awesome. yeah, yeah. Number, so yeah. Number one, I can hear winding itself to, I'm gonna use the phrase oblivion because that's what it sounded like that night. Number one was just winding up, just screaming yeah. next to me. So I reached up to, to pull the throttles in, and in a swirl for me, it used to be about here. If I move my thing, I usually, the throttles were there. And I find myself doing this, trying to get the throttles. And I think to myself, my seat's collapsed. So I have to unbuckle and I reach up and I get the throttle and I shut down number one. And uh, number one shuts down beautifully. Thank you very much. The blades have long stopped, by the way. They've smashed themselves to hell and back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we shut down the engine and I'll never forget it as long as I live because the two, the, 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 the police officers on the unit were always taught that in the event of an accident, they don't move until they're told to. They stay until the, 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 the pilot says you're cleared to leave, unless the pilot's unconscious, in which case you wait for all violent motions to save, save my ass and then leave. So, hey. um, <laughs> you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I never forget it. The, these two police officers are just sat there, just impeccable. You know, one of them's put away the controller for the camera. Uh, Polly was behind me, bless her cotton socks. And uh, I said, okay, guys, let's get out. And, and what got me on this was Polly came down my right-hand side and across me. Now, if you've ever been in a squirrel, the gap between the chair and the door is about that big. Yeah, it's only a couple of inches. Yeah, but Polly came down the right-hand side and out. Now, obviously, that was the deformation of the aircraft. But yeah. what I didn't know at the time was the gearbox had collapsed forward and was actually resting on the chairs because it had come oh, forward. Yes, if you see the picture, you'll see it's come all the way forward. So okay. Polly was actually in the footwell behind my chair, give or take, you know, I mean... Yeah, she was cramped right in. So she, the easiest way for her was to come around and across. So she and Paul climbed out. Uh, I then went out after them. Um, there was a 
slight discussion with a gentleman in a back garden who was about to light his cigarette and I very politely not using any swear words suggested that might be a bad idea um and, and you know and what came... I can see you very calm and collective yeah, with that yeah yeah Sir, this an might impact. not be a good idea yeah. at this moment yeah. in time I appreciate yeah. you not smoking today yeah I say there that good man good man excuse me um <laughs> oh yeah anyway um somebody very kindly and I forget who it, it, I, I it's terrible to have forgotten anything but it was 22 years ago somebody put a ladder up against the side of the house we climbed down and the police officers arrived. You know, we were obviously working with police units. We knew them all. They were, they just thought their friends had died. They couldn't believe we were climbing down off this roof. Um, they, they set up a thing. And, and I have to tell you this, because to this day, I don't know who the lady was. And I would have loved to have known her. And I would have loved to have said thank you. But we're stood, right? So now we're stood in a housing estate in Cardiff with carnage around us, helicopters in rooms and all sorts of some like like a scene out of you know the night of the living dead type thing. It was just carnage. And this little lady came up to me. She kind of been taller than four foot five. Little old dear, bless her cotton socks. And she came up to me, the quintessential English cup, you know, with the flowers and you hold it like that in yeah. a saucer. Yeah. 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 Just, Eight, just um, pinch, don't don't yeah, your fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep those we other call, three fingers up. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I couldn't even get a hand. I had to hold it like that. You know, even, and she walked up to me and she handed me a saucer, this flowery cup, and what I would call uh, a butterfly cake. So it's a fairy cake. You know, it's a bun with the top cut off and stuck up like that. Butterfly yeah. cake. And she walks up to me in the street. She's got a tray. She hands it to this monster of a police officer who's helping us secure the scene. Hold that, please. And she hands her that cup of tea. So she hands me this cup of tea and a butterfly cake. And she leans in and goes, I put sugar in your tea. I thought you might need it. And walked away. <laughs> and to what? this day, I have no idea who she was. I never got to say thank you to her. I have no idea who she was. And to this, if she's there or her family are there, thank you. Because it was just the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. I'm stood there now in the street with this beautiful flowery mug, which I can't hold, I'm having to hold by the rim, and a saucer and a butterfly cake. And a little old deer has just said, I put sugar in it, I thought you might need it. Yeah. That's so nice of you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh. yeah, and so that's my second. Now the big thing, and I'll, I'll now combine the two, the biggest difference between the two was the noise. And I'll okay. explain. When the drive shaft sheared on that seating, unbeknownst to me at the time, we lost the noise from the tail rotors. I wouldn't have known that at the time. I, I, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. Oh, interesting. When I sat, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When I sat with the crash investigators the next morning, because obviously the AAIB turned up the next morning and we went for interviews and everything, she said to you, we, "You think you had a tail rotor failure?" And I said, "No, I don't." And she went, "Oh, I'm sorry." I said, "I think I've had a tail rotor control failure." And she said, "Why?" And I said, "Because the noise didn't change." So when the seeking, when the seek, there was a, there was such a clear, defined change of noise when the tail yeah. rotor. Whereas in the squirrel, I never lost that noise. So I was convinced in my own head the tail was still turning, because I'd never, never lost noise, never lost it. Um, wow. And it, lo and behold, it turned out that the rotating, you know, I'd lost tail rotor control, not the tail rotor, um, and as such, it was still spinning. And for me, it was a real, oh, oh there we are because it, there was no change in pitch. The aircraft noise didn't change. There was no change in anything. We just spanned. Whereas in the Sea King, it, bang, you heard the change. Yeah. So. Interesting. There we are. Yeah, I never even would have thought of that. I, I have not been in that. I knock on wood, I don't want to be. Um, but that that's good to know. Yeah. So I'm living proof you bounce anyway. 
<laughs> or a roof collapses under you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, you know, do you know, do you know the one of the life lessons I learned with that one was I was sat. Um, I, I'm terrible. I, I should be able to remember names, and I can't. But the uh, Ericsson invest investigation branch obviously sent their investigation team down. Uh, the lady who was the chief investigator, and I, I, I'm terrible, I, I should remember her name, but I walked in and as you've done, because we all keep our logbooks up to date, uh, I hadn't <laughs> spent the whole night getting my logbook up to date, obviously, because it was up to date, but I walked in and I had everything with me. I had my training records, my logbook, I had everything and I put it on the desk, very nervous. I mean, at that time, I was fairly sure it wasn't my fault, but I was still there going on. And she went, yeah. oh, I'm not interested. She said, I'm not interested in any of that. She said, tell me what happened. Amazing job. Wow, and nice. How, yeah. And that was how we started. And she never, now I'm sure she did look at them, but she never looked at them in front of me. She went, oh, I'm not worried about any of that. Tell me what happened. Amazing job. And, and I was up at the, I went up there. So they also obviously have an engineering department to come with them. Um, and I was up talking to the engineer and, and he said something to me um really quite profound and it kind of stuck with me and, and it was about luck and because i was like as he was explaining to me what he felt was the secrets and vents with the collapsing of the roof and the gearbox collapsing and all of these things he said to me real lucky and i went jesus i never thought of it last wow yeah really lucky and he said can i tell you something though young man he said he said you have to know how to ride your luck <laughs> and i stood there and kind of went oh yeah fair enough you know so you know, I took that wrongly. Don't take this from me because this is how I took it. And if I'm wrong, leave me alone. I'm happy. Um, the way I took that was, well done, young man. Yes, you were lucky, but you did a good job. That's how I took it. Anyway, yeah. don't tell me otherwise. Yeah, I'm happy. But it, it really stuck for me. You do have to know how you write your luck. You know, there's being dumb lucky and there's being lucky, you know? Yeah. Dang. That's crazy. Right, well, thanks for sharing that. That's... Yeah, and I sent you a picture, mate. If you want to slap that yeah. up on your podcast, everybody can go, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be on Instagram. I yeah. promise you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I'll tell you what, we got uh, we got one more topic I want to touch uh, just on a little bit before I let you go. I know we've been on yeah. for a little while now, but in that is um, the crash of the 116. And yeah. You know, we, we've had uh, Keith Carolyn on, we've had Neville Murphy on, I've had Derek on, you know, all these guys have talked about it. Um, I know it well, but you know, you were there, you had guys that were there. Yeah. Your call. Yeah, no, look, do you know what? There's, uh, it's a conversation you have to have. It's, um, it's a very emotive conversation for us, certainly in the Irish search and rescue world. Um, we're a very small community. There's only 120 of us doing it here. You know, I, I mean, in, in other parts of the world, the, the Coast Guard units are much bigger, et cetera. But in terms of air crew, there's only about 120 of us. Um, and that's total. All, that's pilots, air crew. That's everybody. That's, that's engineers and everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you can anticipate there's about 40 on each base, give or take, and with four bases. Maths. Yeah. What's that? 160. Okay, maybe. No, no, it's 120. It's not 30. Yeah. It's 30. So there's 10 pilots, 10 crewmen, 10 engineers. 30 on each okay. base. Yeah, about 120. Three, six, nine, 12. 30, 60, 90. Cut that bit. Jason, cut that bit. Uh, <laughs> that, that's fine. It's yeah. autopilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my auto hover? Um, so yeah, there's about 120. So, so it is a very small world. Um, yeah. So so the night, 
Oh, if I tell you my personal story, perhaps we'll do it that way initially. So Dara Fitzpatrick was a very dear friend of mine. We, we go back a very long way. Mark Duffy, very good friend of mine, go back a long way. Paul Ormsby and I were great friends with a love-hate relationship. One week we hated each other, next week we loved each other. But I, I, I think if you, if you went to the bare bones of it, then, uh, you know, we loved each other. He was a great guy. And then there's Smitty. And, and for me, I, I can only put it in this perspective. For me, Smitty, uh, he and his family, we were very close, a pair of families. Um, there's, there's numerous people, as you do, you, 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 you think of your own demise when you have your, your family. And you think, what happens to my little girl if my wife and I aren't here? And he and his wife are, are two of the names in our will who would have been there for our little girl if something happened. Uh. That's a role Smitty took very seriously. And, and whenever he met my little girl, Blair, he went out of his freaking way to, to, to have her and hold her and, and, and bond. Even if she didn't want anything to do with it, to be fair on him, he was like, Come yeah. Um, so, so by pure chance on the Sunday before the crash, we forced ourselves on the Smith family because I rang Smith and said, look, we're out and about. We were going to call in. Oh, well, I've got this. And I said, screw it, Smith. We're calling by. And of course, it was the last time I saw him alive because they, we lost them on the Tuesday. Um, so, and, and, and it'll never slip my mind because the first thing he did was he grabbed Blair, picked her up and showed her all around the house. And he spent all of his time with Blair in his arms bonding with her, you know? Um, so, so the night of the crash, I, I was eventually woken by one of the duty engineers um, who thought to ring my landline because I, I, I don't take these freaking things everywhere. Cell phone <laughs> you know, stay yeah, in yeah, my I, pocket. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I turn mine off. If my wife's in the house, it's, it's not even on noisy. If my wife's out, it's on noisy, so she needs me, she can get me. But other than that, I, so I had 42 missed phone calls on my mobile. Um, oh and, my gosh yeah and one of the engineers rang my house phone and of course the house phone was by the bed so I picked it up um, thinking it was going to be can I order two pizzas or something but it, <laughs> it wasn't you know it was it was uh, it was a friend of mine called James Duffy to tell me that we'd lost 116 so he, he gave me a synopsis and as we all do in those situations I rolled over told Mel what was happening kissed her on the head got up and left and just went yeah. to work um on the way into the work i took a phone call asking me if i would call at one of the houses so we we as crews took it upon ourselves to break the news to the families um rightly or wrongly i wholeheartedly believe rightly and nobody will ever make me change my mind we took that on i would want i would want one of the guys mel knows i would want one of the guys i trust and get on with to come tell my wife i wouldn't want a stranger i want one of the boys to come tell her. so we went so i myself and one of the other fellas um a guy called ed Shivnan, and we knocked on martina smith's door i think it was i can't remember the exact times but it was about 20 to 4 or 20 to 5 in the morning um now i I had previously done something called Race Around Ireland with Smitty. So Kieran Smith was a massive cyclist. I mean, mental cyclist, basically a pro, albeit uh, not. Do you know what I mean? He used to, yeah. he lived 15 minutes from the base. He could take 12 hours to get home because he'd get on his bike and cycle completely the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? He was a massive. So I had done Race Around Ireland with Smitty as his support crew. Hadn't done the cycling. Um, <laughs> Hey. Um, and and I knew his brothers, <laughs> so I, I I had one of his brothers' phone numbers in my phone, and I, I rang the brother. Now the brother I rang lived in Galway, the other side of Ireland. 
Uh, and I was thinking, if nothing else, I can get the other numbers I need to, to get Marty help. And um, I rang Kevin by chance. He was just up the road visiting the parents. So it was like, Kev, pack everybody up, get down here. This is what's happened. So, so we knocked on Marty's door um, and it's the wrong role. It's the wrong phrase, but it, it gives a reasonable description. I became the family liaison officer. That's it's the wrong phrase because yeah. we're friends, you know, it, right. but it's the, easiest, it's the easiest way to explain it. We, we took on a role where we, uh, myself and Mel have played a role where we've done everything. Put it this way. The, I can explain to you this way. I know that if the roles were reversed, Smitty would never have stopped. He'd have kept helping. So we took it on ourselves awesome. to, to do that as friends. I mean, it wasn't yeah. taking on itself means it was a burden. It wasn't. We did it, and and the whole of the community did it. Um, and um, so from that day until present day, and we're we're still you know we're still very closely entwined. The two families, the girls are Smitty's three girls, are now oh, Jesus young women. You know, I think I think the eldest is 18 next year. She's learning to drive and, it, you know, yeah. the world keeps turning. But that night we lost four very fine people. Um, and, and as upsetting as it may be, it's in circumstances I'll potentially never understand. Because I don't understand the chain of events that led to it fully. And I'm not sure I ever will. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't understand how it happened. I don't understand how it ended up. Um, all I know is the heartache that, that came from it and, and the very good. And I, and I have to say this, the very good. Um, I, myself and Alan, uh, who I mentioned earlier, run the, the Rescue 116 Facebook page. And we were advised after the crash that we might want to shut it down. And, and we said, why? And they said, well, these things tend to get very negative comments uh, and you get all sorts of idiots on it. And, and yeah, uh, we got 5,700 and... 576,423 messages after the crash. Every oh single gosh. every single one of them was basically we love you. Wow. There wasn't one negative comment and never has been posted on Facebook page about one ever. Wow. It it drew it drew the, I mean I had messages from your side of the world I had messages because I, I say I, the Facebook page, um, yeah. we, we, the support we received from around the globe was, was phenomenal. Um, the boys, the, the, the support given within Ireland was phenomenal. I, I learned, so I, I love this story, so I'm going to bore you with it, sorry. No, please but do. Ireland, I think most of the world does. It was something I hadn't come across before, um, was the lighting of a candle in a, in a fishing village to see, to see a fisherman home who's lost at sea. So, you know, a, a fishing vessel goes down or is missing, then the community lights a candle in their window. And, and the, the, the thought is, is you're guiding these people home. So sometimes it's really guiding them home and other times yeah. it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful gesture. If you had climbed a satellite over Ireland in the days following the crash, the whole coastline was burning candles, the whole coastline. Wow. And for me, it was... It was just so amazing. It was so tragic and yet so amazing. So many people from so many walks of life just wanted to give and wanted to help. Um, so we lost four amazing people in circumstances, as I've said. I, I don't want to chew it here because it's the crash report is out. My personal views, 
are my personal views. I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I I don't. I just wish it hadn't happened, you know. And and you 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 know, but it is very easy to look after after the event with hindsight and this, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and all of that. And it's very easy. One thing I would say is, for me, if it could happen to those four people, it can happen to anyone. And it yeah. sure as hell can happen to me. So the biggest thing for me that came out of that crash is, is not perhaps a sense of mortality, but a greater understanding of what it is we do, the danger we put ourselves in, and our need, our desperate need to maintain that level of professionalism and, and that, that level of competence and, and immense CRM and all of the other things to see ourselves home. Yes. Don't get me wrong, dude. You're the same as me. We do this job to help other people. Right. But I have to get home. I have the most amazing wife and the most amazing daughter. And I bloody well want to come home to them. So the biggest learning thing for me and the biggest tragedy of 116 would be if we didn't. So the learning points are out there. They're in the report. There's a lot of things we need to look at, review. And to be fair, the, the company, the, the the authorities, it is happening. Those reviews are taking place. These conversations are happening, you know, yeah. and with, with the publication report, we can talk more freely about it. Um, but it was a hell of a day, hell of a night. I mean, it, it's ongoing now. We, I think quietly, if you spoke to the boys, all of us do a pilgrimage every now and then. We might not do it publicly. We, we, we tend to like poodle across and maybe have a night over there and walk the beaches and say hello to the boys and girls and then come home again. Yeah. Um, very small community. Um, for my Air Corps friends, they obviously had the tragedy in 99, which I'm sure the crewman talked about, you know, the Tremor crash. Um, so they've been here. We've all been there. I lost friends in the Navy and in, in various circumstances and things like that. So, but um, yeah, God, man, it's poignant. It's it's a tough yeah. one. And, and to, to have a machine and a crew so capable lost in such situation is just, yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yeah, oh, mate, I can't. Even, I'm crying. I'm sat here in front of a freaking yeah. camera on a computer, crying because it's just, it, it's so, it's so pronounced and so deep the effect it's had on us. Um, I mean, as my wife would say, she, she's, oh God, we've been together for freaking ever. As long as you know, I, I've known her since I arrived in Ireland. We, we, we've been together 15, 17, bloody however many years, you know. Uh, married 14 years yet here did remember yeah, yeah. Um, hey well done yeah 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 but you know and and for her it was a sudden holy crap he actually does a dangerous job because up until yeah. then it was he goes to work he comes home from work yeah um you know those four they went out that night intending to come home you know yes they had a job to do while they're out there but ultimately we want to go home and and they didn't make it and that's just ah dude it's just yeah it's mind-blowing mind yeah, it's um it's something that uh it's not fun no it's, it's no. the the part of the job that makes it uh makes it tough to do sometimes yeah so. but but equally you know we're an odd environment and we are upset about it we are emotional but we deal with it our way you know right. and and right. you you know you put the humor into it and and you know i mean i don't know if the boys talked about this but they basically on mass we all went to black Sox. We descended oh. on a poor little part of Ireland that wasn't, you know, was like, who the hell are these people? And we stayed there. 
and we walked beaches and we drank in the evening and we ate too much. We probably drank too much. Uh, we walked <laughs> beaches and we looked for our friends and we were together uh, and we found solace as crews in each other. And I hope, I really hope in some way that that whole environment, because the families were with us, the, the four families were with wow. us. I yeah. hope in some way we offered them sort, sort of, some sort of solace and comfort and warmth in the way we carry on, in the way we remember our friends, and in the way we, I think it's fair to say, in the way we embrace them. Right. You know, it, yeah. it was it was get in here, give me a hug kind of thing, rather than I don't really know how to talk to you because this is really awkward. Everybody was just like, come here, yeah. love. You know? yeah. And and it, it you know, I, I hope, I hope in our way, I'm sure we made mistakes along the way, and I'm sure we've said things to each other and other people that we've caused upset. But I hope that the the message along the way was one of just come here, dude, give me give me love, yeah. you know, because that's what it was. It was it was a sorry i really shouldn't swear like that no it was, you're good it was, a, it was a bad time it was a bad time yeah yeah um and equally now you know we're, we're coming on six years on i'm coming on six years on jesus my maths is terrible yeah coming on six years on and and whilst it's still terrible it it, it it we're moving and everything's moving on we're moving in the right direction and we're learning from it and their memory is one of it, it, it is one of fondness now there's still that sadness, but it's one of fondness to the point. Can I tell you one story about Smitty oh, that I tell do. everybody? Can I please? Because I know I've kept you for freaking hours. You, no, nope, you have not. I'm one of the you, man. one of the memories I share an awful lot, and we laugh and joke about it when I'm with the girl, Smitty's girls, and, and his and his and his wife and everything. Is I did race around Ireland with Smitty, as I said. So we're in the van, myself and his brother Kevin, his brother-in-law, sorry, Kevin. And we're driving along and Smitty's on his bike. Now, that's two and a half thousand kilometers on the bike, dude. Race around Ireland, look it up. Mental. So we're in the support vehicle. And anyway, <laughs> Smitty, Smitty at this point is, is cream cracker. And anyway, he pulls us along the side and says, I need to wee. Yeah, no problems, mate. No problems, mate. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll pull over. Now, the rules for going to the Lubas Prado Road around Racer Island are basically don't disturb anybody else, you idiots keep out of sight etc etc you know they don't want somebody having a wee in the middle of the street is what i'm saying yeah so anyway it's stupid o'clock in the morning we're all absolutely on our bootstraps tied and we're stood there and the three of us just stood having a wee and i look up and go oh shit and we're in a driveway and there's a family looking out the window at us now we're in the oh, no. yeah yeah <laughs> we're in the wicklow mountains in the middle of nowhere right and I look up and go, oh, crap. And there's this house in front of us and three of us. And I said, boys, we're in a driveway. Smitty went, what? And as he turned around, just pissed all over my legs. <laughs> and, and to this day, it's just like when, when Marty and I will be talking, I'll go, what are you laughing at? Your husband pissed on me. <laughs> so, so the, you know, you have to look at the good as well, you know, and I have some fantastic memories of those guys and, and, and Dara. And that one night with Smitty, I'll never forget it. Mel, my oh, wife, yeah. tell me, I uh, I keep bringing it up because I just remember <laughs> standing there looking at him going, are you for bloody real? <laughs> oh, right across me, clean line. Like, like, Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that was, yeah. yeah. Oh, my Those gosh. were good days, yeah. So. Hilarious. Hey, you know what? Thank, thanks, for, uh, thanks for ending it with that one.
That, that's no, good. you're you're very well. And fantastic I'm sorry story. So long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Please don't apologize. Are you kidding me? Yeah. This is I live for this stuff. This is why yeah. I do this. No, so. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I hope I. Oh, have Sid, yeah. this has been awesome. Thank you for all the stories and the rescues and the advice and lessons learned. And you know, like uh, just just a funny story to end it on. I yeah I yeah, it. bastard, you pissed on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You know he's laughing at you right now. I just, just oh, so you know, mate, right? yeah. he was laughing at me then, and he's still laughing at me now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it! Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. Sid, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I will be out to Ireland in the very near future. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm planning it anyway. And when I come out, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up for the beer. So. I do, dude. Give the boys a shout. We'll come out and have a beer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, if I do it right, I'm gonna come fly with you. I, yeah. I I know I know a guy. I got a guy. I was gonna say, you know a man on the inside. Don't look at me. I forgot I just... your name already. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Sid. I'll, I'll give you a call when I get there. But uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and just sharing some wonderful stories with us. You're very welcome, mate. You're very welcome. You take care. Cheers. You too. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at therealrescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.